What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Same podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Saying Podcast, where you get to know just a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, sitting across the way, I have April Trepenye nice. of Titan Advertising, mm-hmm. as well as the Bitches and Bourbon Podcast. Yes. April, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. I sure do appreciate it. Absolutely. So I am actually, so I I have to be honest. Uh, when you messaged me this morning, I saw all the messages that we had gone back and forth, but I could not recall like where it came from, <laughs> how we got connected. Uh, but I believe it was through maybe an online post or something like Instagram, that, right? Instagram, yeah. Instagram? Instagram. Fantastic. What, was it connected through Whiskey I th- Grail? I think, yeah. I think you liked one of my whiskey posts. Okay. When I think a new podcast had dropped. Yep. And I'd posted it on insta and i think you liked it and i saw whiskey grail uh-huh. and i was like i have to check this out and then i didn't realize that that was here in Statesboro. yes yes so right around the corner from me fantastic and so that's when you said hello i said hello and, and now here we are fantastic april uh you said that you are around the area where mm-hmm. are you actually from so i actually live in richmond hill but i'm a grad student on campus at georgia southern university so. fantastic fantastic and how's that experience going for you it's as been... a grad student well that part is just starting it was kind of and I guess we'll talk more about the entrepreneurship mm-hmm. a, as we progress. But one of that, I graduated high school and went directly into the military. So I'm, okay. I've never been to school. Okay. But I always thought I'd be really good at it. Okay. Uh, so I did the Navy for 12 years. And then now my husband and I have built a business. Yep. And the building of that business has afforded me the opportunity to go to school. That's at, awesome. As a, as a passion project. And so I graduated uh, with my undergrad in May. And yeah. now I will start with the new master's cohort here in the fall. Nice. And and so in this, you know, as a student that's going back to school, right, because you did not take kind of like the quote unquote traditional path to, you know, get to school. How does that feel? Right. Like, you know, what what led you to really take that jump into education? Well, I think it's something I always wanted to do, but never felt financially secure enough to do, Mm -hmm. right? It was one of those things where we grew up very poor, very limited on our resources. And so when you're trying to make decisions on how do you take the next step into adulthood, how do you become an adult? Like, what do you do? It was always find a job. Yeah, It's always been find a job. Yeah, And so I did that and it was a great job. I loved what I did. Mm -hmm. But then you start to build a family and your priorities kind of shift and you try to figure out what's important to you. Yeah. And that's when I realized that my calendar was really important to me. Yeah. And all of the W-2 opportunities that you have and when you go and you find a career, a job, yeah. uh, they own your calendar for a pretty large chunk of your life. They, that's their calendar. Uh, and I just decided that I really wanted to put myself in a position where I could buy my calendar back mm. and a place where you can't afford my calendar. Yeah. So everything that's on there is what I want it to be. So my husband and I, we worked really hard and we built this business and now my calendar is my calendar. And we kind of grew it more vertical than horizontal, or excuse me, more horizontal than vertical. And uh, that really gave me the opportunity to go explore 
new things while still being able to maintain the duties that I had at the office. That's an amazing story. I, I think that's just such an inspiration, right? Like, because I think a lot of times people think that the only path is, oh, you have to get your education. But, you know, you believed in yourself. You kind of took the steps necessary to actually be, do it. And now you have the freedom, right? And now you have the opportunity to go back to school if you want and, yeah. and so many different things open. And it changes education for you. Mm. So, so many folks that I'm in school with are in school so that they can get a job or they can do a career, they can build their life. So at some, and at some level, that schooling for them, there's a, there's a mold that they kind of have to follow because they need it to get to the next step. I don't need any of that. Yeah. Uh, so I get to, I'm an English major. I'm a, that's what I study. Yeah. And I can say what I want to about those things. And I can, my commentary can be either in line with or counter to what everybody else is saying about it. And I really, I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so, because it's, it, it's, it's not a stepping stone for me. It really has gone the way of a passion project. And as all passion projects are, I can really mold them. I can mold that to be the experience I want it to be, not the experience that somebody else wants it to be. So tell me about uh, Titan Advertising. Uh, so th it started in... Uh, so we became our own incorporated uh, in 2017, but it's a job that my husband has done for many years. Okay. So, and it kind of morphs and changes over over the years, advertising type stuff, sure. shifts and changes. And interestingly enough, it's it's like almost every other cool job I've ever heard of. Yeah. It's nothing that your high school counselor is ever going to tell you about. <laughs> uh, and when you go to talk to other people, nobody's ever going to know what you mean. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the elevator pitch for my particular company is we do a specialty event and lead generation for major manufacturer car dealerships all across the country. Okay. And you tell folks that, and that's exactly what they say. They nod and they go, okay. <laughs> okay. And they have no idea what I'm talking about. Sure. And so what I'll tell people, especially people that are like my age, is that, so do you remember, and you may be familiar too, do you remember, they don't happen as much anymore, but when you'd get in the mail, these car flyers and there'd be a key on it that says, bring the key to the dealership and maybe you've won a car. I've seen this before. I've actually like, I mean, in recent years, right? Like this You're is welcome. something. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was you? Yeah, it may not have been me, uh -huh. but it is a company like me. Got you. And so what we do is we develop marketing programs for specialized limited runs. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can be anywhere. I think our shortest event is probably three days uh, up to two weeks. And some of them go month long, depending on the way their marketing works. And um, wait, so you, sorry, I, I have to ahead. clarify. Uh, you mentioned an event. Mm -hmm. uh, well, but what I heard was a piece of mail. So mm -hmm. the piece of mail is to is there to drive people to the event. Correct. Got and it. that's usually what the mail will say. Three days only, you know, yeah. 10 days only. Yeah. And so that's what drives the, that's what the drives consumer. the consumer to the sale, right? Uh, and so that's kind of morphed over the years. We don't do mail so much anymore. We absolutely will. We can. Sure. Almost all of it is moved to social media, which sure. is very interesting. Uh, now, instead of there being a, a whole bunch of folks on the phone, we have our call center revolves more along the lines of uh, on a computer interfacing with customers that way. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about that, right? Okay. So in terms of mail... Um, what have you seen happen over this period of time that has not made that uh, process as effective as it used to be? Well, 
mail was fantastic. It, it was dollar for dollar. It was the it was the biggest range of a centralized geographical demographic that you could you could hold on to, uh, because in car dealerships and, and and industry like that, it's not going. The demographic's not going to be a necessarily a uh, a um, income range or something like that. It is going to be geography. Sure. There is a dealership here, but that same dealership is going to be two towns over. So everybody in this town is going to go to this dealership and everybody in this town is going to this dealership because it's the same product, Mm -hmm. right? So mail was easy to get into the households you wanted to get into. Mm -hmm. Junk mail becomes a thing, right? So nobody's paying attention to it and you have to get more excitable in the mail, which is hard to do and still run a reputable business, which we insist upon doing. Sure. Um, so then social media comes out and then social media gives you the ability to move that. Yeah. So you can be, once you drop mail, mail's gone. Yeah. Social media, you can drop it, watch how it works, and then move it if you need to move it. So it's much more responsive. Of course, it's also social media, so it gets a little more interesting about how you respond to people and how you talk to people and, and your public face. So you have to be more careful about those things and make sure you train your folks up. But that, that's it's it's sales 101. It, yep. Sales today is no different than sales 50 years ago. It's you're just. You're just talking to people, building relationships and, and trying to make everybody happy. Did you always know that, you know, the entrepreneur thing was going to be the path? No. Oh, God, no. Absolutely. Up till maybe 15 years ago, I didn't. I didn't. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, when you grow up the way I grew up, that you don't know anybody mm-hmm. like that. Like, yeah. Everybody needs a W-2 because you need to be able to pay your taxes and you need to have benefits and you need to have vacation time and you need a retirement. And like, mm-hmm. and the only people that can give you those things uh, is, is a corporation. Mm-hmm. You don't realize that you can build something yourself that makes that a self-funded benefit, wow. right? Mm-hmm. So when you don't have those influences, when you're not exposed to those kind of things, you look at what people have done. You have no idea how they did that. Like, I don't, maybe they must've had money, like their parents had money and I've missed that boat. So I don't even know how to get to where I'm going to the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, until honestly, my foray into entrepreneurship was a real estate job. Mm. And that's when, well, I started, I sold cars for a little while. Um, and then I got into real estate, but that's when you realize that you eat what you kill. And that's a whole different mindset of hustle. That's a whole different mindset of growth and business and work. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm not going to get a paycheck from a person and there's no person telling me how much money I can make. Mm-hmm. So that's just all up to me. Like mm-hmm. it's there for me to to kind of, first time I ever had control of my own destiny mm-hmm. was um a car lot, which is the easiest sales job to get. Is it? Oh, yeah. It just sells itself? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they need you, right? Yeah. Like, they need you on the floor. Like, so it's a good, so sales job, commission-based sales job, if you ever thought that maybe an entrepreneurship was your jam, mm. any commission-based sales job is kind of a really kind of great place to cut your teeth. Mm. The jobs are pretty available. They're going to hire you because it doesn't cost them anything. Sure. And then you get to figure out, you know, if you've got what it takes to kind of be there every day, all day, all the time, because you, if you're not there, who's who's there to sell for you but you? That's right. And so I, I did. I liked it. It was a, it was a really great time. I enjoyed it. Um, I was ready for my husband to stop traveling all the time. Mm. And so to get him home, that's what we did. We built a business so he didn't have to travel anymore. Got you. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you mentioned this a few times already, but tell me about kind of like growing up. Where did you, where were you born? Uh, well, I was born at my dad's Hawaiian. Okay. Uh, so I was born in Kapiolani Hospital in okay. Honolulu. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. How'd you make it over to the mainland? So my mother is from Tybee Island. Okay. Uh, my dad was in the army, stationed at Hunter. Got you. And here I am. Nice. So nice. I grew up right outside of Savannah. Uh, it was great. I mean, we didn't know we were poor. I mm. mean, we didn't like so many. I mean, we didn't know. We just we just knew that we were. I mean, it just it was later when we were like, you just are. And- <laughs> <laughs> so figure it out. Like, and you only start to realize it when it's time to go to college, and everybody's talking about where they're going, and nobody in your house knows how to get you there. Wow. Like, n- like there's no frame of reference. They've never been. They've never thought about going. Nobody knows anything about how to do those things. Um, it freaks my kids out. We have six children, uh, and it just blows their brain that my husband bought me my first clothes dryer. Like, I didn't have a clothes dryer till I was almost in my 20s. Uh-huh. So, but it was great because there's a grit there that you learn. There's a hunger there that, that you kind of get down with that you're just like, I can live in a cardboard box, and I will be fine. Like, I know how to live off of rice and spam, right? That's fine. I can do it. Um, or I cannot. And yeah. Either way, I'm good. Either way, I'm happy. Happiness doesn't come from those things. I think that element is so important, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, my parents were immigrants coming to the U.S. and they came with two sh- suitcases, right? Had nothing. And the, seeing their journey of what they've been able to accomplish is absolutely an inspiration to me. The fact that, you know, you did not have a clothes dryer, like, you know, something that is at this point, like, like so common, right? Mm-hmm. Like apartments come with them at this point. Uh, it's such a massive uh, mind shift uh, to realize that, you know, what is out there is definitely capable of, like you are capable of achieving anything that you put your mind mm-hmm. to. Uh, you know how, so you, you, you and your husband made the leap to go into business. Mm-hmm. What was that like to do it? So, like, talk to me about that moment in time when you like, hey, let's do this. So he was getting increasingly frustrated and I was getting increasingly frustrated because not only are you gone three days, four days out of the week, but when you're here, you're frustrated about those things. Okay. So for Christmas, I had a Christmas card and you can get an LLC in the state of Georgia for $25. Mm. That's what it cost. Yeah. So that's what's in his Christmas card is I bought the LLC. Uh-huh. And I said, so what are you going to do? Uh-huh. And I think the... <laughs> that's one way to send a message. <laughs> that's one way to do it. I'm like, here you go. <laughs> and uh, so I became his project manager and he began to build the business, the, the book of business. And I would say... They'll tell you about marriage that there are, um, there's two things. If you can make it through two of these things that your marriage will make it. Building a house and building a business. Like Mm. if you can do that as a couple, there's not a whole lot you can't do. And, and it was, it was, it was exhausting and it was tough. Like I had to realize that his bedroom voice and his office voice, they, they were going to be different and I could either be upset with him for getting the way he gets when he's working. Yeah. Um, or I can understand the fact that he is just as scared as I am and he's trying to make sure our mortgage gets paid. And so maybe I have to separate the message from the messenger and just do my job. That's a gym right there. That's a right? huge gym. Yeah. yeah. So so um, that was probably – it didn't take long and it wasn't hard. It was hard, but it didn't take long. You just had to completely sell out to the idea. Mm. You had to completely sell out Commit. to the idea. Yeah, that this is my husband. 
and I love him and he loves me. And sometimes my husband and my business partner sound different. Mm. And and that's either has to be okay or you stop right now. Mm-hmm. Like those are the only options. And what I wasn't willing to do is to hire somebody to do what I could do. Mm. And, and so I had to figure out how to put my own ego in check um, to make that job work. Okay. So project management is mm-hmm. not something that, you know, you come out of the, did you come out of the Navy with that? No, or you, no, <laughs> so, no. Self-taught. 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 How, yes. how did you, how did you do that? So in the car business a little bit, um, real estate a lot mm. where nobody's, you, there's no place to clock in. There's no place to clock out. Uh, you basically run your own business. And if you starve, then that's on you. Mm-hmm. And so you have to learn how to prioritize your time. You have to learn this is what a marketing budget looks like. This is how much money I need to make to break even. This is what's worth getting out of bed for. This is what's not worth it at all. You're, you can't you can't spend money to make money without a plan, mm. right? You obviously have to do that. But people will spend money to make money without a plan and they'll find out that they've broken themselves and have nothing to show for it. Uh, So that's kind of where that came from was learning how to build a real estate business, which was very successful. Mm. Uh, I ended up with a property management company and I had 250 properties in four counties. Wow. Uh, so it a lot of it came from that. So uh, you had already kind of like ventured into mm-hmm. kind of like entrepreneurship by yeah. this point, right? Yeah. And so like, I, I think, you know, uh, looking at, at that aspect of it, how, when you, when you talk about real estate, what kind of like got you into real estate initially? Oh yeah. So I had just gotten out of the Navy, um, bunch of kids, r- just got home from deployment really didn't want to leave them anymore. So I thought Georgia has this thing called troops to teachers. I don't even know if they have it anymore. So I thought that's what I was going to do, right? Become I was, a teacher. Yeah, I was still in, I was still in the mindset where you get a job, right? Sure. And so that was the job. It mm-hmm. would allow me the opportunity to hang out with my kids and summers and schedules and and those kind of things. So I was substitute teaching while I was working on those credentials. And I'm like, I am going to end up in jail. <laughs> Why? Like, this is never, this is never going to work. Like, this is because there's, we're, ooh, I'm not even getting into oh, it. I'm not even getting. Oh, I see some here's fire. What, here's what I will tell you. Here's what I will tell you after being a proactive advocate for my own children's education. Okay. Like, if we are supposed to be taking care of children, if we're supposed to be educating children, we're doing it wrong. You think so? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. The public school system. Yeah, we're doing it wrong. And I don't even know if the private school system at this point is doing it a whole lot better. What do you think is the issue? I, I think everybody's worried about what they look like on paper. Agree. Right? You know, like, everybody's worried about their test scores and everybody's, they're, instead of looking at their kids in a, in a holistic way, and I know that it's hard. I know that it's hard to give that kind of one-on-one attention to a child in a school system that's trying to put through 1,500 kids a year, right? And that's just a school, not a whole school district. So I get that that's difficult. I'm that... Because I'm a businesswoman, I understand what profit and loss looks like. I understand Mm -hmm. resources and how that works. But I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Mm. Like I couldn't, I couldn't watch children. Like you're supposed to teach these children, but they haven't eaten in two days. Mm. So like, what are you going to, like, you can't teach a hungry baby. Can't a dirty, like a child that hasn't been able to get a shower is not in any kind of mindset to want to learn something. But 
but that's what we're going to prioritize are test scores and, and what we look like on paper. And, and yeah, I just, I just couldn't. What, what, so let's talk about this because it's interesting to me, right? Like how is the, do you have, is there a solution? Oh, I'm sure there is that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't even, my hubris is, as, as, large as it can get sometimes doesn't even mm. do, I, I couldn't even imagine how to fix it uh, at this point at this point I think that it's become so amazingly entrenched in in things outside of simple education mm. that that I wouldn't even I wouldn't even begin to understand I have so much empathy for people that can do that job on a regular basis I've got some I've got some friends of mine that are just some of the best teachers on the planet and I don't know how they do it every day. Like I'm in so awe of them and their commitment and their ability. I it, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, what did you do with your children then if you did not? So then what I did was I was like, well, this isn't going to work. So I guess I'd better go get a job that lets me do my own schedule. Okay. And that's when a girlfriend of mine said, why don't you come sell real estate? Okay. And I'm like, well, there's an idea. I've never done anything like that before. Uh, and so, yeah, that's when I said, but nobody tells you when you start that it's a grind. Like the only reason you get to see your kids, you get to hang out with your kids after school is that because you've made the decision to not sleep until two. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because building a business is not for the weak. It's not mm. for the faint of heart. And and honestly, it's just not for everybody. And that's okay. Mm. Right. I don't think there should be, I think there's been a lot of judgment lately about what kind of job you have and what you're able to do. And the truth is I'm so thankful that there are people out there who do prefer corporate work because sure. I rely on the services of a lot of corporate entities. So thank you for them. Th teachers, thank you for them. Right. And so, but I think it takes a lot of self-awareness and lack of judgment against yourself to go, I am cut out for this. I am not cut out for that. What advice would you have to, you know, you, you mentioned self-reflection of understanding oneself before they, you know, take that leap of faith into entrepreneurship. How, how would one identify whether or not they have it or not? First, you have to own it all. Like if you've got a scapegoat, if you've got something that you blame stuff on, you've got to cut it loose. Like it's like you own all of it. If all of the glory is yours, then all the shit has to be yours too. Oh, sorry. Can I say that? You can say whatever okay. you want. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, but you have to own it. Like yeah. there is like you're either the boss or you're not the boss. Right. And if you're going to be the boss, then all of it's yours. Um, so you can't you can't have scapegoats. It's all you. Um and then I think I would liken it most to to physical exercise. So when I was distance running, you had to be real in tune with your body, right? Because not all pain is hurtful. Mm -hmm. Not all pain is is um, negative. Some shit just hurts, right? Running fifty miles in July just hurts mm. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you it doesn't mean there's anything broken it means you either give in to the pain or you work through it on the flip side of that not all pain is meant to be worked through like some pain requires healing some pain requires you to step back and slow down and back off mm -hmm. so i think you have to be able to kind of get real comfortable with yourself and go i'm being a complete sellout right now 
by giving up. I can, this is something I could totally work through. I am choosing not to work through it. Mm -hmm. Or this is a real problem and maybe I'm not well suited. Maybe I have found a weakness in my skill set and I need to back off and say, this is not for me to do. You have to be able to do both of those things. We're just in here dropping massive gems right now. That is amazing. <laughs> that, I, I love that perspective, right? I think oftentimes there is what people don't realize is entrepreneurship is very challenging and the grit and the determination and pushing through the pain. I, I, I joke about this, but like I'm I'm literally out here just like stuff happens, right? Like you're, we're constantly just putting out fires. We're, we're getting like, you know, stomped on. Like all that is just part of the journey. And if you're not willing to accept that, you can never climb to kind of like the, the other side of that and see the light. And so I love kind of like the way that you put that. Talk to me about your passion for bourbon. Where does that come in? That at? comes from my father. Okay. That comes from my dad. So he, we've always... Whiskey's always been something that's been near and dear to my heart. It's one of those things I've always enjoyed. Um, I am, people will tell you that I am my father's son. That's what mm. they, my dad, my mom have nothing but girls except me, uh -huh. they will tell you. Uh -huh. So dad and I have always been tight like that. Um, and so, yeah, it's whiskey's just always been a thing. When I mean, there was a point in my early 20s, I suppose, where it was, cosmopolitans and fruity drinks but i never really liked them like i never really got a taste for them it's always been it's always been whiskey out the bottle and whiskey is one of those 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 liquors that you can't rush i mean you can and then it's going to be shit yeah um and so whiskey takes what whiskey takes and so when people look at a whiskey bottle and they're like oh whatever people think about people that drink whiskey what i see um is commitment what I see is um, dedication to a craft, to an idea that somebody committed to when they knew they weren't going to make a dollar for years and years and years because this stuff just has to sit in the barrel and do what it does. But they had faith in that. They had a commitment to that and agreed to it. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of instances, it's usually somewhere a husband and a wife. Now, maybe they're not both in the limelight, but it's almost always that where somebody wants to do a thing and then the, poor, the, the person that they love and respect supports them enough to do this super scary thing yeah, uh, and to move through. And whiskey stories are always fantastic. And then at the end of the day, it's it's just a great taste in liquor. And, and when did you start your podcast? Uh, the podcast actually was a COVID-inspired okay. ordeal. So um, a friend of mine met and she didn't really know a whole lot of women that were primarily whiskey drinkers. I didn't know a whole lot of women okay. that were primarily whiskey drinkers. And they kind of became our COVID family. And my husband is from New Orleans, so he cooks great meals. So they would always come over and we would eat together more often than we wouldn't to okay. keep that COVID kind of didn't see anybody else. Sure. So they started bringing bottles and if it would, it was something that we had not had before. Yeah. And then our husbands said, you know, you ladies know more about whiskey than, than most people. And, um, her husband said very, uh, so often I'm in the liquor store and there's a woman that is either talked like crap to by the person working in the mm -hmm. liquor store mm -hmm. or just uh, is just afraid to ask. You yeah. guys should start a podcast. You should call it Bitches and Bourbon. Okay. 
And interestingly enough, nobody owned the website. Uh-huh. So for $12, I bought bitchesandbourbon.com. Nice. Uh, which is really funny because my co-host, she does prefer bourbon. But as far as whiskey goes, I prefer scotch. Uh-huh. But scotch and I don't know what you would even, Sally's or what, I don't even know what you'd put with that. But Bitches and Bourbon was just fun. And the guys really liked it. And the husbands thought it was cute. And so uh-huh. we just, we rode with it. Yeah. And how long have you been doing that for? Oh, two, two years, two, two, three two years, years now? two, three years now we've been doing it. And it's been a lot of fun. It's uh, it's now started to get. So when we started, OK, I didn't know shit about shit about a podcast. <laughs> so I taught myself how to do it. It was COVID. You had plenty of time. But then you start to, like, learn what you're doing. You go back and you listen to those first episodes. And I don't even know if the new ones are any better. But the first ones, you're just listening to them. And that's when you get real humble and it gets easier to push publish because you just don't take yourself that seriously. Like, like this is who I am. This is my authentic self, and I'm just putting it out there, which has worked out really well for us because in an upcoming episode, we'll have Lauren Patz. She's the head distiller from Wet Redwood Empire Distillery. Wow, wow. She's coming on the show. Um, last episode we just dropped had um, Rashad Powell from Island John Vodka. Okay. And he was on the show. And uh, tomorrow we actually have an interview scheduled uh, with Lauren from Two Bitch Bourbon. Her okay. and her husband founded Two Bitch Bourbon. So it's gotten to be a lot. I mean, it was just it's steady putting out content, steady putting out content, and just and just rolling with it and having a good time. I I can tell a difference. So I've I've interviewed probably I do one podcast every single week. Uh, I I usually kind of like try to stack it up as much as I can, uh, but I can tell that you're very well spoken. Like it's so easy to talk to you. I can tell that there's a difference between like the quality of talking to somebody that actually does host podcasts. Uh, very eloquent. I, I definitely hear kind of like the skill there. And so, uh, give me an idea of like how many episodes that you've put out during this period of 46. time. That's amazing. Yeah, forty six, forty six episodes. Um, we typically run eight to ten episodes, and then we'll do an infinity bottle. Uh, it was one of the best ideas we had early on uh, every whiskey that we've done a podcast on um dram or two goes into our bitches and bourbon infinity bottle love that and so every i don't know yeah probably about eight episodes we'll open the infinity bottle up because she'll start to get a little full and you got to take some <laughs> off of that so we can put more in there uh, but yeah it's a great time and we we ventured out obviously into other spirits i i like all the epicurean things mm. like like when you talk about where do you like to go on vacation somewhere i haven't eaten before that has a bar with something i haven't drank before um with some kind of taste that i haven't experienced before like those are my favorite things yeah so to be able to do all of the different types of spirits we've had um a friend of mine wanted to do a japanese whiskey episode mm. so we've recently done that and we've done the scotches and and the tequilas my husband's a big tequila guy so so we did some stuff on that and along the way you get to learn so much about these bottles that are in a liquor store and the stories and the business building sure. that has to go on for these people to be successful and it, it kind of it opens it up into a a, a large kind of overarching narrative that you don't really think about until you start to dig deep into something that people don't even pay attention to mostly. And what I what I actually love about kind of this this part of the the journey is that you went into it with no knowledge of podcasting anything. It was just hey, you saw the vision and you saw you thought that this hey, this is a fun project and you went for it. I think so many times as an entrepreneur 
there's that kind of gap that's there. Um, but that is so, so kind of like cool that you just decided to go for it. And now you're able to kind of like, you have something to, you reap what you sow, right? Like you've put down so much uh, value. Um, what would, advice would you have for somebody that's thinking about starting a podcast? Just do it. Oh, I mean, seriously, you can plan and research yourself and, and, and never do it. And, mm. and, just it's the easiest thing on the planet mm. so and here's the real truth adam people like you can be very intimidating to people like me like we see that the youtube channel and we listen to the podcast and man it's clean like, <laughs> thank you like you're the stuff you put out is clean and so you can look at that and go i'm never going to be that mm. nobody asked you to be that the only thing I asked you to be was you. And that's the only thing there are. The number of podcasts on the planet is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just it's just like when you go to buy stuff somewhere you can buy, especially with Amazon. And the, like so Joe Rogan would be like the Amazon of podcasts, yep, yep. right? Like huge. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do with that. And like whatever. <laughs> All right. With smart list with the Jason Bateman thing. That's like, right. Like what are you going to do with that? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> that's right. Right. But if they wanted to listen to him, that's who they're going to turn to. Like they're they're looking to hear a voice that resonates with where they're at right now. And you can't be all things to everybody. So just be who you are, and your people will find you, and it'll mm. just work itself out. And if you don't like it, if you go into podcasting because you want to be a millionaire, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, and 100%. that's never going to work. Hundred percent, it's never going to work. Agree. Because this is conversation, this is connection, this this is people getting to know people. Um, and if ever you're doing that with the intention of making that economically viable, the connection's never going to be. It's never going to be there because then you're looking at people as a commodity, and when you start looking at people as a commodity, you're going to lose. Yeah. Or maybe you win. I know there's a few people that have done it. Maybe you win. And if you feel good about that, then you're built differently than me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's I just try to make sure I just don't ever look at people as a commodity. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. April, uh, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Like what type of advice would you like to give them? Don't listen to me. <laughs> what do you like, mean? No, don't listen to me. I've been telling me. people that you've been dropping gems the entire time. Don't, don't listen to me. Like, 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 so what? I said it, right? So what? Like, like, feel that around, like, taste that in your mouth. Mm. Maybe that's right for you. Maybe it's not right for you. And don't feel any kind of way about that, right? Like, you're going to see a whole bunch of people who do things their way, and it's not the way you would do it, and that's fine i think so often we are we're taking we're taking ourselves and we're putting it up against somebody else's and i'm maybe i'm doing it wrong or maybe you're just doing it different try that out for a minute and just own it like personal responsibility you, you're not going to get anywhere without it um if 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 i win i win if i fuck it up I, i'm the one that fucked it up so mm -hmm. and and i don't I don't make any excuses about those things and just get real, just get real comfortable. And if it sucks, then just look at it and go, well, that sucked. And then just keep moving on. Like, it's fine. April, I have to say that, you know, moments like this is probably the best moments that I have, like during the podcast, right? Being able to meet someone that is like, you know, from a different uh, county like is doing different things and learn about their experiences and then also just being fully inspired like I'm, I'm ready to go out there and just crush it right Do it. after you know the conversation I love your energy love everything that you're doing uh, just such a 
powerful, powerful story. So thank you for coming on to the show. Glad to have you here. And so excited for kind of like the future of like the things that you do. Um, uh, hopefully, you're, are you going to uh, going to be on campus at Georgia Southern? Yeah, or yeah. Fantastic. So sure. you're going to be in the round of the area? Every and, week. <laughs> fantastic. So drop by anytime. I'm, I'm so glad to be able to have the opportunity to meet you. How do uh, actually before we leave? How do people keep you in touch? Oh, um, it's it's not easy because my last name. But, <laughs> so, but it's just AprilTrepanier.com. So, or Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm really one of the easiest people on the planet to find. Bitchesandbourbon.com. Yep. yep. Might be a little easier to spell. Sounds good. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty easy to find. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.